You know, Mitch, I like this music more and more every time I hear it. You should. Yeah. It's becoming a part of your life. It is. It's becoming a part of my life because it's the Sunday recap. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> Welcome to the Sunday recap, everyone. Uh, this is Chris McLaughlin here with Ariel Eldridge, Mitch Green, and Shauna Householder. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. We're like a crayon box in here today. I know. Do you spend... I, I spend like every day with you people, and I still get worried when I'm announcing people's names, and I'm going to like forget your name. Does that happen to anybody else? <laughs> yeah. I love yeah. you, Mitch. I, every day. But I still like... I was Mitch, doing that. I'm like, oh, he's going to forget name? somebody's name. <laughs> the pressure's on. Well, I was looking for Shauna in the office 10 seconds ago, and Luke said, are you looking for Ariel? And I'm like, yes, <laughs> yes. all my life I've been looking for Ariel. <laughs> yes, oh I God. am. <laughs> Nice. Oh, well, hey, we uh, speak of identity. I know, speak right? Yeah. Speaking that's, of that's who kind we of what are we're talking about today. Boom! What yeah. a move! <laughs> yeah, this week we got it to hear from Pastor Scott. It's been a little while. He's been off for five weeks, and um, and so he was back this week with a new series talking about uh, really parenting. It's called "Raise Them Up." Was is the idea? But what I thought was so interesting about this first sermon was there was actually, I mean, he, he touched on things to do with your kids and stuff like that, but it was very minimal. It was, it, it, I felt like I got so much out of the sermon um, just personally, rather than like what I'm, what I want to mm-hmm. say to my kids and stuff like that, which was really kind of cool. Just because we're adults doesn't mean we aren't finished. Yeah, absolutely. Well, he kept saying, he kept saying things like now kids. And I was like, Oh, I, I was, that was for me. I thought, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I felt that same way. It's so good. Um, I thought maybe we could start since we're talking about the, this, the series, raise them up and things like that. Um, maybe let's just talk about our own, um, first of all, where we are in that journey with, uh, with kids and stuff like that. Um, cause we're all kind of in different places in some ways, uh, or another. Um, so for me, I have four kids and I never planned on having four kids. <laughs> I'll, I'll go go on record as saying that we, uh, Eric and I, when we were first married, we we're like, no, let's have two. And she was like, I, I think I'd like to have three, but we compromised with two. So we're like, okay, we'll have two. So we had two kids. And, uh, when they were 11 and nine, we found out that we were pregnant with our third, which was a total shock. And we're like, okay, wow. Yeah. Here we go. We're going to start the clock over again, you know, and and do everything all over again. And then uh, two years later, we found out that <laughs> we're having another one. So we had last year we had PJ, and so we have four. So um, it, it's just crazy. And the thing about that for us is we just recognize that God, and as Scott even said this in his message, God knows our kids even before we do like he you know he knew them before the foundation of the earth he um and so while it was a surprise to us it wasn't a surprise to the lord and that's um i just think mind-blowing to me so but yeah where where are you guys in that whole process i am kidless so Mm -hmm. this will be way shorter than chris's description but no kids. Um, I am the oldest of four. Yeah. So I've been, and my youngest sister's 10 years younger than me. So That's I've, a big gap. I've been around kids a lot. Yeah. Um, I also was a student pastor for five years. I think a lot of people know that. But so I love kids. Yeah. I mean, I love students. I, I'm not, you know, I, all my friends are having babies and, you know, I'm not a huge baby guy. 
but I like kids, yeah. you know, so, so I'm the expert. So any questions we have, <laughs> forward them my way and yeah. I will just pour my wisdom out for you guys here on this podcast. Honestly, when I'm tired of talking about Pokemon, I send my kids yeah. to Mitch to talk about Pokemon. Yes, yes. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'll follow up. There's by- a whole story there how I got really into Pokemon, but we yeah. won't go on yeah. air with that. So. I have three boys, and um, my youngest is eight, and then I have one who's 10 and one who's 12, almost 13. And Pokemon is huge at our house, and so they have a good time talking with several people here on staff who tend to like Pokemon, which is pretty hilarious. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we are kind of in the throes of starting middle school, and that's a new a new step for us. Yeah. Um, but we'll make it, we'll yeah. make it. It's going to be hybrid this year. We will make it though. Totally. We're, we're just going to survive. We're yeah, going to figure it, is, it out. We're going to survive. It's, it's kind of survival. I was, I was talking to a teacher and I thought he had a great perspective on this. He was a chemistry teacher at Franklin, at Franklin high school. And uh-huh. he told me, he said that, you know what, if they have a bad experience in their junior year of chemistry, it's not going to ruin their life. Mm. He's like, I'm going to do the best I can. But I'm not going to kill myself trying to pull this off. I don't know. <laughs> I like, had a bad experience chemistry. of junior chemistry, and I yeah. am scarred for life. Well, here you are. You're here. Still and feeling you're fine. <laughs> so I just thought that was, like you guys are saying, it's like, you know yeah. what? We'll move on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. So I we have two boys, um, 11 and 9. Mm. So we're entering into middle school. Um, Brady's of the advantage of he got to go to an intermediate school last year. Mm-hmm. So he has a little leg up. Yeah. On his peers as far as what to expect and the stress and all that. Yeah. Yeah. My my older girls loved middle school. I mean, loved, loved, loved it. I mean, I, oh, I think that, that's so nice. I think that they. I did not. Yeah. <laughs> no, I didn't really either. I know I peaked in middle school. <laughs> oh, yeah. Eighth grade, man. I was as cool. I was my coolest. <laughs> my coolest was in eighth grade. And then I kind of went down from there. But man, Hello. I was. I was a cool eighth grader That's for awesome. sure. So we're really talking through identity today with this passage. The passage is fantastic. This is right out of, I mean, it's the Bible. So can I say, can I, can I say that those passages that are more fantastic? I probably can't say that. Um, <laughs> more, more fantastic for our subject. This is, the, yeah. this is the most important podcast you'll ever listen to. <laughs> and I'll say it again next week. <laughs> so we were dealing with um, Ephesians chapter one, and this is verses three through 14. This is what I think is so interesting about this passage is, is that in Greek, this was actually one sentence. Verses That's, three through 14. Yeah, it's one run-on sentence. And even more than that, there's a Trinitarian formula that's, that's built into this this sentence. So like the, the verses three through six is all about the father and verses seven through 10 is all about the son and verses 11 through 13 are all about the Holy Spirit. So you see like he's, he's thinking through all of that uh, as he's writing out this one long run-on sentence, which mm-hmm. is I think just so cool. It's uh, so characteristic of Paul, too. It he is. Just, he just keeps going. Yeah. And going. Yeah. <laughs> like Peter's like, yeah, our, our brother Paul, he says lots of things that are hard to understand. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's just so fascinating um, how, he, how he talks through what it means to be someone who is in Christ. Is that, that's the whole phrase, in Christ, in Christ. What does that mean, what, this, this idea of being in Christ and like, like Scott said, this is something that that is brought up 170 times. This phrase, 170 times in the New Testament, 
versus, I looked it up, versus just the term Christian, which only comes up three times in the New Testament. And it's actually, when it does arrive, it's 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 like a term that people use to mock Christians, and then Christians kind of adopted it. Um, and so the the idea of being a Christian in the first century, according to Paul, is, is actually being in Christ, mm-hmm. right? So what does that actually mean when we're saying we're in Christ? What is that? We're under the new covenant. Mm-hmm. Um in his blood, he's standing in our place as our substitute. Yeah. Um, but the phrase in Christ, I'm like, I don't know how we want to tackle We're like that. In him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, there's almost a sense of security for me in it. Like, like we're, we're firmly planted within, like we're, if we're within him and he has defeated death and we have all of those benefits as mm-hmm. well, you know? There's sort of a sense of security in that. Well, that we abide in him and he abides in us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like the, uh, the ultimate Russian doll scenario, yes. right? Like, like yes. we, we are in him, like you put us in him, but then, but then he is also in us. And so, <laughs> so we got like, we're like hemmed in on both sides. Mm-hmm. That's a matroshka, by the way. Is that what it's called? Yeah. yeah. Matroshka? <laughs> It's a matroshka. Yeah, I don't even know if I was, you know, it's like Russian, so I'm it probably sounds, saying it, it completely good. wrong. <laughs> it sounds legit. It's I like, would not question. Well, you should. <laughs> it's an identifier. I think yeah. that's the main thing mm-hmm. is that it's saying that, you know, our standing is with Christ, is in Christ, um, is for Christ, is through Christ. Mm-hmm. That is that is where we stand. So mm-hmm. it's. It, but it's an identity that's also been placed on us as much as it's an identity that we proclaim. Mm-hmm. So Paul's point is saying that, you know, through Christ, through the work of Christ, these are the things that you are. Yeah. You know, and so he's he's saying that you're in Christ because of the work that Christ has done. This is now your standing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So your 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 standing, your position, your place, your identity is all wrapped into the work that Christ has done. Right. So Scott worked through three kind of three main points that he wanted to draw out of this that dealt with identity um, out of Ephesians chapter one. Uh, He said, first in Christ, I have God's approval. So let's just kind of start with that. Uh, Why do we, why do we need God's approval? What does that, what does that do for us in contrast to, to what? To approval of society. Right. Of our peers. Yeah. Why do we Of cra- people we don't even know. Yeah. And we just seem to crave that so much. Like, why do we crave all of that so much? Well, we want to be validated. Mm-hmm. And sometimes God does it. We don't... When we know that he hasn't... Ha- that we have his approval, it, we don't always feel it mm-hmm. the same way that we feel approval from other people. I think that there's a, a relationship aspect there that that's, I mean, we are obviously um, already in Christ. He has our approval. Why would we seek it any further? Um, and I think we could go back to like when we've talked about um, faith and works and how they work together mm-hmm. um, of living out what, what Christ has done in us. The next step is to, is to walk in obedience to the father um, and, and that just deepens the relationship between between our holy God and, and us. Yeah, I think without Christ, we have a strained relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the, you know, so it's it's through our standing with Christ that we can have a relationship with God at all. 
Um, so like Scott brought up, you know, he, he started with, the, you know, even even as he chose us, this is in the passage that we just read, even as he chose us before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. Yeah. So like, well, are we holy or are we blameless outside of Christ? No. Mm-mm. You know, so then, you know, Second Corinthians 5 says, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So it's it's by Christ standing, you know, in Christ, the standing that we have, that Paul's addressing, that we can have God's approval, right. <laughs> that we can stand before God as holy and blameless and have the relationship that deep down we desire, that we're seeking for from everything else that we can't find. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And there's no higher authority that we can seek uh, or, yeah. or appeal to. Like, it, it's, I think it's so funny, like, as sinful creatures, and I and I would say, I mean, that's all, all of us to a certain degree. We all try to seek approval from other things that are lesser, uh, lesser authorities, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we're trying to seek approval from our parents. We're trying to seek approval from uh, our boss or from uh, you know uh, peers and friends and things like that, or our coworkers, and um, we do that all the time. Um, but it's a but each of those is a lesser authority, uh, and it's actually someone who. Um, you know, sometimes those things matter, but they don't matter nearly as much as, mm-hmm. as what God thinks of us, right. mm-hmm. you know? Um, and, and then w- at the same time, what, what those other people think of us change yes. all the time where what God thinks of us does not change, you know, um, the standing and the identity that we have before God does, is not impacted by, um, I mean, by our works and, and things like mm-hmm. that, where like, you know, um, you know, if you're in a, in a, let's take a job situation, you know, you could underperform and what's going to happen. You're going to get fired, you know? <laughs> so, so it's your, your standing with your boss is definitely impacted by, by your works uh, versus with God. That's just not the case. Let's go back and just read verses three, four, and five. And so we can kind of get a, a picture, a little more clear picture of, this approval that God has offered us. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so good. Let's go back to one of, one of Scott's questions. Scott asked the question, how did we get this approval? And he answered right out of verse five through Jesus Christ. So what does, what does that mean that we receive this approval through Jesus Christ? Well, he uses this analogy of adoption here in verse five, Mm -hmm. um, which is amazing because we talked about this on the podcast a a few episodes ago where you were talking about a family here that um, mentioned when they adopted their kids, they didn't look like them. Yeah. Um, and they didn't act like them. Mm-hmm. And um, as they dr- adopted them in, they are legally theirs, and they inherit everything. And then they go through this process of of becoming more and more like the family in which they're now adopted into. Absolutely. So I see that as us being, um, you know, wholly different from God in the first place and having a poor standing. Um, and then he decided in his mercy to put his son in our place and adopt us in. And now we stand before him, becoming more and more like his son each day as we live mm-hmm. and walk out our faith. Um, 
And that's just a, I just think that's a really neat picture of how he um, is a merciful God who um, is willing to change our status Mm -hmm. um, through the sacrifice of his own son. Yeah. I want to tackle really quick uh, a little bit of the elephant in the room with this passage because twice in this passage, he does mention the term predestination. (laughs) I am falling on the floor, fainting dead. Let's and and I don't want to I, I don't want to say like let's let's all take a stand on on where we are on this sort of a thing, but I would, I, I think that it's important that we define the term there a little bit mm-hmm. um, because he does mention it twice and it is it's in the text. So, um, what does that mean uh, when 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 he's talking about predestination? What is what is this where he says in verse five he predestined us for adoption and in verse eleven. Uh, it says, in him we have in, obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him. So what what does that term mean? Um, how do we understand it? And, and maybe what are some of the different views on that? Mm-hmm. Well, there are a couple of different views on the word predestined. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're a person who believes um, that God preordained that you would be a follower of Christ, that he decided for for you, mm-hmm. um, that 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 was set before the foundation of the world, and then and then we hear the the voice of the shepherd and respond, mm-hmm. um, because we're already sheep. Mm-hmm. Then there's the other view of predestination: is that God looked down the quarter of time and saw that we would choose Him, mm-hmm. and therefore He calls us sons and daughters at the beginning because He knows in advance that we will choose Him. Yeah. So yeah. those are a couple of ways to look at that. Yeah, it's really good. It's it, it's kind of the difference between. On one view, it says that uh, we choose God because God chose us first. Mm-hmm. And the other view is God chooses us because we will choose him. Mm-hmm. Is, that, mm-hmm. is that fair? Um, yeah. I think that's a simple, a simple way to, to tackle it. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I feel like you know, the, way that, the way that Scott really spoke about this Sunday, in, mm-hmm. the, in the broadest sense, at a minimum, what Paul's talking about in this passage is that God had you in mind from the beginning of the world. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. That that there's not this random order of events that led to you and now you're here and God's trying to figure out what to do with it. Right. Yeah. That God had you in mind. So prior so, to creation yes. of the world. Absolutely. Yeah. So even before the creation of the world, God had you in mind. And and so what what that means for us and as it relates to identity is that God is at work in reestablishing that relationship that he had with us mm-hmm. from the beginning through the work of Christ. So in the broadest sense, it means that. Now, we can zoom in <laughs> and start to say, well, what does that actually look like? Sure. You know, what sure. decisions am I making versus what decisions is God's will that yeah. he's predestined for me? You know, the work side of the passage, I think that's what it says. Mm-hmm. It's a, I think it says predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Mm-hmm. So so that's where we can get, you know, more in the details of what does that actually look like? Sure. But, but ultimately bro- it yeah. doesn't really, I mean, it's still getting to the same point. Absolutely. Yeah. That God knows us before the foundations of the mm-hmm. earth and is, um, so however however it gets there, the, the point of identity is still the same. Like our, our identity in him is still the same. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I think that's good. I, I, I think I just wanted to uh, briefly address that because it is used in there. And I think a lot of times people see that as a really like a, it's a hot button issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's something that causes, I think, some division within the church. It's it's divided lots of denominations and things like that for centuries. Uh, but I think it's important to talk about 
uh, well, let's let's address that word that's in there a little bit. And, mm-hmm. and so, um, well, I think it should, I think it should give us hope that God's been at work, you know, in something in the beginning that He desires to have a relationship with. You. I don't again, yeah, we want to sure. we want to avoid being so you know kind of isocentric because you're saying that we're so focused in on what this means for us. Mm-hmm. You know, every mm-hmm. we don't want to do that with every passage. But this passage, really, these next three chapters, um, Paul is talking about your identity in Christ. Mm-hmm. He is actually specifically saying, what did Christ do, and what does it mean for you, and what is your standing like in God, and why did God do it? Yep. He's actually yep. not telling you to go do anything. He's just telling you who you are. And so while he's doing that, it is a good time to say, okay, like I can take hope in that. Um, I can go, yeah, God, God's had a plan for this since the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, that it wasn't a flippant decision to send his son to die and that he's desired a relationship with me. And he was willing, you know, to put Christ, you know, through death on the cross to reestablish that relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think it's really interesting too. you, you know, I, Ephesians is my favorite book of the Bible, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, the first, the first three chapters of Ephesians, Paul doesn't give a single command and right. you've probably heard me say that a million times. So for three chapters, all he does is says, this is who you are. Yes. This is who you are. This is who you are. Never tells you to do anything with it until chapter four. And the first thing he says is, all right, now remember who you are. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, that's yep. the first time he tells you to do anything, which is really cool. The second piece is is along the lines of adoption, which we've been talking about. So within first century Ephesus, in this culture that we're talking about, you could be adopted um, and you could not be disowned. So if I was adopted, you legally could not disown me, mm-hmm. but I could disown my own son. So when I'm adopted, I have full legal standing, cannot be like irrevocable, cannot be released. But my son who's born within me, I can disown. So yeah. so Paul's talking to a culture here that really understands adoption. Mm-hmm. Like this is him walking in and picking the best example that he possibly can to say, you know, this adoption that you see here this is what your relationship is like with God in Christ. Yeah. That God gave up his own son so that you could have the relationship with God that's always desired, which is irrevocable, cannot be taken away, will not be removed. And I'm going to tell you that for four chapters, mm-hmm. you know, and I just think it's, that's so cool. I think it's really powerful that mm-hmm. it kind of establishes that foundation for that. And that's, again, your standing, your foundation is, your position in Christ is the way it begins the way in which you do everything else. Mm-hmm. So we start here with our identity. We don't start by saying like, Oh, you know, in this parenting series, you don't say, okay, I need to be, you know, I need to go work out here on this parent and then I'll be better with God. It's like, no, your foundation in Christ for your kids is the most important thing, right? Yeah. Not their foundation in their sports, not their foundation in their classroom, their foundation in Christ. Your foundation as a parent isn't in how, you know, fun you are, how, you know, good you are at playing with your kids, you know, how good you are at making dinner. It's your foundation in Christ. Right. That's the starting point. And that's why I think it's so important for this series. It jumps us mm-hmm. right into this conversation of like, okay, how am I evaluating, you know, myself and my relationship with my family? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. How does this new reality, this, this idea of being in Christ in this way, then begin to transform us? Um, like what, what are some of the maybe practical outworkings of, of this new reality within our lives. It gives a, it gives me a, a big picture view of what, what I'm doing here. You know, the big question is what is my purpose on earth? 
and why was I born? Why am I here? Um, and and you, fun, you have this concrete vision of what you're supposed to do, why mm-hmm. you're here. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can start thinking big picture for yourself and for your family um, about what the day-to-day things like chemistry mm-hmm. aren't going to matter in the long run because what matters is the lasting um, covenant we have with the Lord that yeah. we can we have the opportunity to live out and and um, broadcast to those around us just to help them see the goodness of our God. So Shauna said something earlier, and so did Ariel. So Shauna talked about abiding. Mm-hmm. So so what abiding is? It's literally just sitting underneath Christ's lordship. So it's so it's recognizing this is my identity and constantly coming back to that. So it's now that you understand who this this is who you are. Now, remind yourself of that truth and live in light of this truth. Mm -hmm. So now that you know who you are, now go do, not the other way around, not go do and figure out who you are. It's like, know who you are and now go do. That's one aspect of it. Then Ariel, you said something along the lines of about families in our church. Once they're adopted, they're learning how to live out this idea. They almost become more like the family as they spend time with them. I've, I've really heard the example for this where they talk about marriage. You know, and I married a couple on Saturday, and I actually said this to them. I said, you know, you're going to be declared legally as married right now, but you are no no more qualified to be married right now than you were 20 minutes ago. But you are legally married. So what do you do then? Well, you figure out the rest of your life what it looks like to live life as a married person. You're trying to live out this identity that's been placed upon you. Mm-hmm. So that means that, you know, when I'm very first married, I may not be the expert at trying to put close every door and put the laundry away, you know, the way that my wife would desire. But as I go throughout my life, I'm learning how to be better at that. Yeah. I'm learning how to be a better married person. Mm-hmm. I always have the identity of married, you know, and, and apart from divorce, there's no getting rid of that. That's an identity that's placed on me. It's the same with Christ. What, what Paul is saying is this is your standing before God. This is what's true of you. This is unshakable. Now go live in light of that. And as we live, we will understand how to live out our faith better with time. We'll we'll figure out how to live better out these truths that have been placed upon us. But the identity is already there. Yeah. It's already established. Yeah. It's just you walk with that as your foundation through your life. Totally. So yeah. so help us understand then, how do we then help our kids to get this? Like if we're talking to children, um, I'd say, you know, young young kids, elementary kids, and even teenagers, like how do we help them to understand that this is their reality, that this that that what really matters is their standing in Christ and what God thinks of them? Yeah. Um, so at the simplest for the youngest kiddo, it's and this is this is what we we did with our kids and and I can't remember who I can't remember who told me, you know, to kind of do bedtime like this. Mm-hmm. That when we do bedtime and when we do tucking in and we say, Mama loves you so, so much. And you say, who loves you? You know, and, and when they're little, they're little, little. They're like, Mama loves me. Mm-hmm. Like, who loves you more than I love you? Mm-hmm. And that's how we started the conversation. Like, mm-hmm. they, like our kids were two when we're starting to have this conversation. Yeah. Of, you know, and to them, they're that young. We Like, I am their whole world. Right. Like, I am like it for them. And they know that I would do anything for them and how much I love them. But for me to turn around and say, who loves you more than even mama loves you? Yeah. 
and to teach them that God loves them that much yeah. from that early age is just, I personally, I think the best thing that we've been able to do for our kids. Mm. Is it too late for everybody? Nope. Yeah. And, and, and have we stopped talking about it? No, we mm. still talk about even now, last night at bedtime. I love you so much, buddy. Have a great night. Hey, who loves you more than I do? Mm-hmm. And it's God loves me more than you do. Totally. And then as they get older, we've talked about that. Why does God love you more than I can love you? Yeah. And what does that mean? As they do get older, let's say we get into like the teen realm, because uh, mm-hmm. you know that's where mm, yeah uh, all you know most of our kids are in that realm and Mitch has all the expertise uh, with the teenagers. <laughs> so, uh, so, but when Youth we pastor's job is to absolutely not parent, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but how do you communicate this, this type of grace and um, this inclusion and adoption into, into Christ to teenagers when that's just something that's so foreign, foreign to everybody. They want it so bad. Yeah, I think that's I think that's what what we don't recognize yeah. is that their entire, especially you know in the in the middle school years that we're talking about, they are they're trying to figure out who they are, and they want acceptance. Yeah, they want approval. They want you know the parents. They want your acceptance and your approval, but they want that of their friends too. Yeah. But they've probably already experienced some pain and some heartache, mm-hmm. and they know that people aren't going to always accept them right. just as they are. You know, even though that would be the like the mantra of the world right now, but like they're not being accepted for who they are. Well, just as Shauna said, you know, you have the opportunity to one by your actions, show them how you approve of them, how you accept them, how you love them. You know, what, what, what are you proud of, of them? But at the same time, even from a message standpoint, it's sharing with them that like, Hey, there's a God of the universe that made you Mm -hmm. just the way Mm -hmm. you are. Yeah. Now I don't mean that like saying like your struggles and all the you know all these things yeah. that we're talking about, but it's like it's like no 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 God made you, He knew you, He knew what was going to happen to you, and He is ready for that. <laughs> like He yeah. wants He He wants you to stand in. He you know He's offering you know Christ for you. Like that's like and they desperately want that. So I think like helping your kids understand that's your their foundation and then reminding yourself that, you know, you don't drift off into the land of like, well, my kid's a D1 soccer player. Like, that's who he is, you know? Because, yeah. I mean, those kids, they break their legs, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Like, like all of those things can be shattered. Mm-hmm. And they have been. I mean, for many people, they have been shattered. Right. You know, or one day those things don't matter. Yep. So what happens when that goes away? You know, now that's almost the message for the parent more than it's for the kid. Absolutely. But it's but it's the kid's desire to be loved and accepted. Yeah. Um and, and I'd say just as much as it's our desire as yeah, well. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, for sure. So I think it's I think it's a simple message. I mean, I really do. I've I'm I'm finding more, you know, now being like at my ten year mark that it's like I don't have to try to be creative. I just have to say this is what's going on. Here's the simple gospel yeah. for you, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, sure. and they're like, "Yes, they I need of, that." In my well, life. I was going to add a practical um, piece to that is that we're getting to that that stage where we started with the, you know, God loves you more than I even do, and then we um, are starting to get to the point where um, a couple of our boys are asking, "Yeah, but is it real?" Mm, and yes. so um, we've started catechizing them with the New City Catechism. Yep. Just to give them some concrete, this is a biblical short answer for the questions you have. Um, and so that they know, you know, 
what the what the scriptures say about some of these questions that are coming up, you know, around them in class or yeah. with other students and stuff. And um, so that's helped us as well. I, I would say too on that, uh, getting into a little bit of apologetics is really yes. it really helpful yeah. too. We did apologetics yes. with our kids when they were middle school age, yeah. um, and um, we found that was extremely helpful because there's some really simple things out there that I mean. It, there, it's not hard. I mean, when people think of a Christian apologetics, like, oh, you got to be super smart or mm-hmm. whatever. But it, no, it's it's not hard. It's just um, taking a little bit of time to understand the concept, but right. it's easy to communicate those things to mm-hmm. your kids as well. Yeah. I can put some links in the show notes on. That'd be like great. That yeah. That'd be awesome. Yeah. I think from a practical parenting perspective of helping, helping our kids see and maintain their identity in Christ is surrounding them with other adults who share your same values. Mm. Being, you know, whether it's a social group, a D group, um, just having other adults who love your kids, who your kids can go to, but you know they're going to point them back to the gospel and back to God and back to who they are in God. Sure. So that your kids aren't like, oh, that's just what my parents think, but no one else thinks this. Right, (laughs) right. So you, as a parent, don't become the crazy Christian mom. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a great idea. I I think that's why, too, I mean, being in community with other Christians is so important. It's not just good for you, but it's good for your family as well. Absolutely. Scott gave us two reasons why why we can know for certain that God loves us. One is that... um, we were made in the image of God, mm-hmm. right? And then second, that he died for us. So I think mm-hmm. the, the 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 dying for us, it, one is the more obvious one, you know, um, who would send his son to die in our place. You know, that's that's an incredible love that he would have for us, of course. But the, sec- the, the first one I thought was really interesting and had, and had some broader reaching implications because he said um, that we are made in the image of, of God. And, um, and that should actually then shape the way we interact with, other people as well, the way we see other people. Mm-hmm. So um, how does that then, like, how can we uh, embed that concept of, you know, everyone's been made in the image of God. How do we embed that into our kids so that they can see other people in that way where like everyone has been made in the image of God and we're all precious in his sight. Mm-hmm. We have practical moments where, you know, we're walking out um, the word of the year has been enemy to one of our sons. Okay. So we've started baseball, and he thinks that the opposite team is the enemy. And so we've had to talk through, like, no, 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 buddy. Those are, like, they're just the mirror image of us, only a different color shirt. It's the same. So we are taking examples of what's happening in everyday life and saying, look, this kid that you're upset with is not the enemy. Mm-hmm. He is the image bearer of God and is acting out in sin. And so we have to walk through some of that and just like yeah. help him see that people all around us are are wrong often, yeah. but they're still made in the image of God. Yeah. And I think I think that is a very important note to make of the Christian worldview that sometimes we we miss. Yeah. That yeah. everyone is made in the image of God. That sonship is conditional. Mm-hmm. So being mm-hmm. in Christ is a condition you know, that, that we have, that, that Paul's addressing. Yeah. But everybody is made in God's image, which means that every single person has worth. Mm-hmm. Yes. That, that they're not wasted. And I think we sometimes in the church struggle to separate those two things. Yeah. And we see people and we see their actions, but we don't see their worth. Right. So we see the mistakes that they're making. We see the problems that, we're, that they're doing, the 
all all the rough stuff and we go that's who they are yeah but we miss like what is the like very beginning truth of the bible is that every single person is made in the image of god and that needs to be the lens in which we see all people so as we approach them practically then it's seeing their worth mm-hmm. it's helping them understand their worth yeah you know it's it's and then and then it's helping them accept that hey there's this you can have a restored relationship by the work of Christ, mm-hmm. that's the conditional side. So I think it's just like making sure we have those kind of parsed out in our mind when we're talking to people, <laughs> you know, and yeah. not being like, okay, these are the Christians, they get it, everybody else, let's throw them out. Yeah. You know, that's the way um, I I really remember the first time that I ever really felt that way um, is when I talked to my youth pastor when I was mm-hmm. in high school. Uh, I started going to a church in um, my junior year of high school and the way that he talked to me uh, was just that way. It was it was this way of like, um, I see a value in you mm-hmm. that maybe no one else sees. Maybe you don't even see, but I see it in you. And and he was able to communicate that to me, just being very, um, I don't know, just just welcoming me into something that I didn't even know, uh, you know. And it was it was just an amazing. Uh, thing for me to catch that 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 sense mm-hmm. of like wow I have a value here that is bigger than just my performance and who I am you know mm-hmm. so yeah I really appreciated the way Scott talked about um, how that plays out like it, that's why Christians care for the poor and the sick mm-hmm. and yeah. the elderly because they have worth right yeah absolutely well he wraps this whole thing up with. Uh, saying that in Christ I have a unique purpose. And he gets down to verse 11 and 12. Would would someone read that one, uh, verse 11 and 12? In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. Right, yeah. And this was this is so huge. Um, so he he me- he mentioned here this inheritance that we're receiving is is Jesus inside us. I mean, te- technically, we're talking about the Holy Spirit residing inside mm-hmm. of us, actually. Um, and the purpose of this is what for His glory. For his glory. <laughs> <laughs> to quote my three year old son, uh, yeah, yeah, that that we would that we would bring glory to God. I, I mean, this is. You know, older catechisms, things like that. Uh, Westminster's uh, shorter catechism starts out with that whole idea: What is the chief end of man? To glorify, to glorify God, God and enjoy Him forever, right? So, um, so bringing glory to God, and man, that's a game changer. Once we once we get the grasp that we are not here for our own, you know, our own pleasure, that we're not here to just try to gain everything for ourselves and then die, but that we actually exist for the glory of God. What a what a huge difference that is for uh, for the way that we live. How might this impact, like if, if our kids begin to understand this, how might this change the way that our kids live? Well, you've just given them a completely different worldview than the American dream. Yes. Yeah. And um, so now they are living out their purpose for the audience of one rather than many mm-hmm. um, and rather than the audience of themselves. Mm-hmm. Even yeah, um, and so we hear it all around us all the time. You know the the self love stuff that we keep pouring into our our kids in in the culture around us. You know, 
you're somebody and you are somebody, but give them a, a richer meaning of what that is. Yeah. You are somebody in Christ, right? not just as the world sees it. Absolutely. Yeah, it's an eternal purpose. Right. Yes. I, I think that's it's it's broader than, you know, just the here and now and what you can achieve and and it's showing them that those things don't really matter. You know, I I, I mean I believe it was like Tom Brady, you know, that quoted after he won his third Super Bowl, he's like, I wanna win another one. You know, it just mm-hmm. doesn't it just doesn't complete me. You know. Yeah. It's you're 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 offering your kids a worldview um that is bigger than themselves. Um and it's it's a life to glorify God as their ultimate purpose. Mm-hmm. Which cannot crumble based on their circumstances. Yes. And I think that's that's key. It is a sure, sure foundation. Yes. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So important, you guys. And and that that's what I mean. Like we're talking about this in reference to our kids, but I'm like, man, that's speaking to my soul right? too. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's so it's so um where we are as well. And and so in that sense, I totally get what Scott's saying. Like you know, grownups are just big kids in that sense. Like yeah. we, we all really want the same thing at the end of the day. Well, hey, thanks so much for this conversation today, you guys. I think, uh, man, this was just really good. <laughs> and uh, it's just helpful to walk through God's word in this way, especially uh, talking about how to how to talk, how to do this with our kids. We're going to continue this conversation over the next couple of weeks as we go through this series, uh, Raise Them Up. So uh, next week, we'll have another member of our family ministry team on with us, which will be really cool. We'll, we'll have uh, kind of a rotation, including our family ministry team during this series. So I hope that you'll join us next time on the Sunday Recap. Recap.